This is the Masters of Cinema cast. My name is Joachim, and today I am joined by Farron Neme from uh, Brooklyn, aren't you? Yes. And uh, before we start talking about you, uh, I thought uh, I was just going to say that um, the film that James and I was discussing last week, uh, The Rocket, it will not be a Eureka um, Masters of Cinema release, but a Eureka standalone release. But I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I'm, I think I will be receiving a review copy of that soon, so I will probably say something about that when uh, I get in the mail. Also, Tom and I, we both have uh, duplicate copies of uh, two Masters of Cinema releases. So we're thinking that if you, the listener, can write a written review on the American iTunes page, and then if you notify us within 10 minutes of writing the review which one is yours, you will be in the draw for a copy of the Blu-ray version of either Une Femme Marie or La Marte. Okay, so that was all the announcements I had. But Ferran, where did you start uh, going into film? Uh, well, I, I, I had, I, I had always been very passionately interested in film, um, especially uh, anything like from, like say before 1960 or so. That's a very rough kind of uh, date. But I really had a particular love for um, for classic films of you know like the high Hollywood studio era. And uh, I started a blog in 2005, um, at which very quickly became a place for me to dither on about my obsessions in this regard. And <laughs> it's just, you know, over the past eight years or so, it's it's kind of built an audience and it enabled me to write about film and other platforms, for which I'm very grateful. Yep, because you're, you're not only writing from the blog, you're also writing uh, professionally. Yes, yes. At this at this point, um, yes, I've I've been um, I've been writing uh, film reviews of uh, current movies, mostly art house and independent stuff, um, for the New York Post since March of 2012. And mm. uh, you know, I write usually brief reviews for them, but that means um, I've covered a a lot of ground. I've probably reviewed. Um, close to 250 movies for them now um mm. so do you find that you work differently when you're supposed to be writing shorter reviews uh compared to when you're going on these essays or uh, do, you, do you find that you approach the movie differently uh yeah it's it's a it's a completely different form of writing um you know it's anywhere from 200 to 250 words and often a, a great deal closer to 200 so when i started doing these brief reviews because of course on the blog you don't have any length limitations and uh, while i would try and restrain myself from going super long you know i almost never would write less than 500 words on a movie so for this i uh I mean, I, I went around and I, I reread a bunch of um, Pauline Kael's short form reviews for The New Yorker. Um, David Edelstein is somebody else who does really good, very brief reviews. Some other uh, some other bloggers and things that I found had, had really kind of mastered doing a, a, a short take on a movie. And I just sort of studied it and I kind of developed my own kind of way of approaching it. I, I try to put at least one or two concrete movie-based observations in each 
brief so that I'm not just talking out of my hat, right? I'm not just <laughs> I'm not just making like assertion, assertion, assertion. The acting mm. was this, the camera work was this, overall the movie is that, without giving like at least one sentence of something concrete that's gonna tell people why do I feel this way. Mm. Um because I think um I I think that it makes you trust the writer more you know when you when you look at, at kale's things for the new yorkers uh, it, it, there's always something that's anchoring her review to the specific right mm. and uh, do you have any relation to masses of cinema from europe or are you more familiar with criterion collection which is kind of the equivalent in the states i'm more i'm more familiar with criterion but um i've i've recently um been looking at some more masters of, of cinema releases because um i uh, acquired a, a region free blu-ray and mm. uh the masters of cinema releases a number of movies that you know haven't made it to criterion yet like um there's a couple of douglas sirks that they just put out um, that look great, Tarnished Angels and uh, A Time to Love and A Time to Die. Uh, they they have like, uh, you know, really, you know, the, the same kind of quality as, as Criterion, I, I find. And um, they seem to have an equal passion for what they do um, and an equally kind of broad view of, of cinema history. You know, but mm. I, I mean, I, I think of, um, I, I think of both, you know, both companies on different sides of the Atlantic having, you know, almost kind of an evangelical desire <laughs> to like, uh, to, to spread the word about uh, movies that are, you know, either broadly known or haven't been seen properly in a good long while or not at all broadly known and should be, which maybe this one kind of falls into that category. And uh, we can sort of get into the movie now because this was made in 1942 I think and uh, at that time France was under Nazi occupation and they put a ban on American films from the 30s and 40s and you you mentioned Cirque and what uh, what kind of interest do you have in those films and how do you can you see a relation between those films from the 30s and 40s from America and uh, the uh, uh, murder at 21 uh, yes, de de definitely. Um, it's uh, this movie, I, I think um, what it may remind people of possibly more than anything, or maybe something like the Thin Man films. Um, there's, uh, there's a, you know, sort of sophisticated bickering couple at the heart of it, where um, the, the man is really kind of the brains of the operation, but the woman is is no dope, um, just kind of slow to emerge. Um, Susie Dallaire kind of seems like a, a real airhead at the beginning, <laughs> but um, but by by the end, um, she's figured out things, you know, just one step behind uh, Inspector Venz, her her boyfriend, mm. um, and uh, I I it's very um, it's got it's got screwball elements. I think. Um, what I've, I've read was that, uh, you know, uh, American comedies and uh, sort of detective fiction like this had almost kind of cornered the market um, to the point that there weren't as many offerings in France. But, you know, when American films were banned during the occupation, um, somebody who wanted to try their hand at this could do so without fear that, you know, W.S. Van Dyke was going to be showing you up or whatever. Um <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it will remind people of a, a lot of, uh, of American movies from an earlier time in the 30s. I don't have the uh, utmost acquaintance with uh, Clouseau. I've seen um, Quai Offev from 47 and Le Diabolique from 55 and of course Wages of Fear from 53. Uh, but it feels like this movie, it, it contains a lot of elements that will make up the Clouseau that is just creating masterpiece after masterpiece in the 50s. Yes, de de definitely. And I think um I think you you get an indication of that with a bang very early in the movie where where you have the uh the point of view shot following up. It it begins in in the bar um with the guy who's spreading his money around after having won the lottery, which presumably is a small lottery, but enough for him to get quite gloriously drunk and he comes <laughs> reeling out into the night and the camera follows him um and it's sort of putting you in <clears throat> the head of the murderer and you're mm. swerving uh, around the streets it's this uh tracking shot that's uh, marvelously evocative of of like certain narrow streets in paris um so mm. it's kind of a sense memory if you've um if you've been in Paris and the rain slick streets and the guy like casting a, a glance back a, at the murderer at first, not knowing what's going on. And then finally his you know look of terror as somebody wielding a knife is, is closing in on him. And it's, um, it's really as dark as this movie ever gets. And yeah. it's, um, it's, actually extremely dark and it's it's a strange way to start something that you know just keeps getting lighter usually the pattern is you start light and then you kind of you know hit the dimmer switch you get darker and darker as the movie progresses it's it's quite the opposite here um when i was looking this up i i really wasn't sure if it was the first um sort of murderer point of view shot in cinema i i'm certainly not willing to swear to that but it's got to be one of the first you're always reading in like textbooks that peeping tom was the one that uh, really made this uh, pov killing the um it, it, it was the first one that i, I was aware of but uh, i was kind of surprised when i saw this film that even in 42 clouseau made the like the predecessor to Halloween almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess um, it, I, I did read that Clouseau was very much a, an admirer of um, Fritz Lang, but uh, this like kind of goes even a, a step beyond um, mm. him, where you're, you know, kind of like watching uh, Peter Lorre's shadow rather mm -hmm. than being like in Peter Lorre's head as he's stalking his victims. And I, I've seen in reviews that some uh, reviewers say, unfairly in my opinion, they compare this to like, TV crime movies and Murder, She Wrote, Angela Lansbury and that sort. And I feel like for the reasons we're talking about now with the POV killing and Clouseau's direction, I feel that this is such high quality in just the production and direction. And I feel like the characters are much more enjoyable and fleshed out and the writing is so sharp and witty. But you you can still sort of I can understand where they're coming from uh, when we're talking about the uh, like the sets and how it's kind of noticeable the lighting and the production design, but still. 
Well, you you won't you won't find me um, dissing Murder She Wrote. I'm actually a very <laughs> big fan, and, uh, uh, and and Columbo is quite possibly my favorite TV show of all time. So it, it, it to, to me, it's not necessarily a, an insult. Columbo, in particular, had uh, some you know very famous directors trying their hands at, at episodes and doing some kind of unusually good looking things with it. Um, I, I don't think that you, you know, sort of associate some of the more daring flourishes like that, that tracking shot of, of this movie with those, those TV shows. I mean, certainly, mm. certainly it's of a, a very high caliber, but mm. it, I, I, um, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with what this this movie is is trying to do, and I think um, with within its uh, within its its sort of lighthearted format, it uh, it has a, a number of, of things that have some definite bite to them. Uh, like like what, for example? Because in in my opinion, um, or the way I kind of see the film is that this adds some. Rhymes to the collection. It kind of uh, brings in a, a new aspect to Masters of Cinema with its not too complicated, not that deep, thought-provoking film, but it's a very much a mystery, murder, entertainment film. Well, I, I guess um, it, it sort of uh, it touches on on a, on a number of, of different things. Um, in studying um, certain movies and things of of the nineteen thirties, it's it's easy to get love, say, for the uh, the comedies of a, an auteur like Hawks or uh, or you know even Gregory Lacava to an extent. But it, it's harder to sort of get people to take a, a, a film like this with any degree of seriousness. It, it's actually extremely hard to get this kind of a tone right. Um, and anybody who's sat through a, a relatively ham-handed romantic comedy or mystery, or even, you know, one, one of the bad episodes of Murder, She Wrote, knows that uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, it's a great deal harder than it looks. And um, it, the, the control of tone here is al is already quite amazing from Clouseau because uh, you know as as I said you start out with a a genuinely frightening opening and then you progress um, you know it, it, I, I I like the way that almost directly after that they signal that that things are not going to be quite as uh, as dire as they seem with that whole sequence of everybody passing the buck a little further down the food mm. chain until it reaches Pierre Frenet, who's uh, stuck with trying to land this murderer in uh, forty eight hours, and uh, <laughs> and then um and then going to um to Susie Delaire trying to uh, trying uh, <clears throat> Mila she's called in the movie trying to sell herself as a, as a soprano to a deeply uninterested impresario um, and deciding that if she uh, catches the murderer who's on the front page, naturally that's going to make her famous. So it, it's, 
it's very nicely constructed this mm. script it's very it's very tight it runs 84 minutes there's uh not a lot of unnecessary exposition um it's very difficult to get dialogue this witty and sort of consistent it's it's fast it, the mm. the the talk is very fast people one on top of the other and uh and i think there's a there there's a great deal of visual interest in a lot of this i really um i i like the uh the scene where um Frenet, disguised as a minister pops in on uh, lala pur um into his room and uh lala pur you know flings open this coffin and and comes up it's 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 funny and at the same time it's it's quite creepy and it's also an obvious reference to genuine horror films the entire movie is sort of stuffed like that with uh, with small moments that uh, that that signal it's it's not it's something out of the common way. You mentioned the uh, like how she Susie Delaire in the film she's trying to acquire fame and there, there's this sort of theme of uh, celebrity culture perhaps that they're commenting commenting on where she the only reason why she wants to capture the murder is because she wants to be famous so that she can be um hired as a soprano yes it's it's sort of the 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 hunger for recognition is you know if if the movie has a theme that's pretty much it throughout the movie the uh from the poor bastard treating everybody to drinks in the beginning um, and getting, you know, attention from people that he clearly had not experienced before um, to Pierre Frenet trying to preserve his job and the bosses above him trying to preserve theirs um, to the, uh, the the people in the boarding house, um, the, uh, the old lady who has a, an idea for a, a mystery novel that's going to make her name but then, of course, mm. uh, the idea gets her killed. And then um, I don't know to what extent we want to discuss spoilers, but uh, the... We can go into it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, then it, at, at the end, when it's um, when it's revealed that uh, what we're dealing with is actually a triad of, of murderers, what, what gives them enough time to be caught is that they start squabbling over who deserves the credit for coming mm. up with this diabolical master scheme. <laughs> um, so... Uh, uh, it, it's um it it is quite a uh, it's 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 cynical it's certainly not as harshly cynical as as Clouseau's films would become later but no. uh but the the seeds of that are are already there it's a pretty jaundiced view of of uh how humans crave uh <laughs> fame Hmm, definitely. And not only that, but uh, there's also a sense that the, the murderers, they were evil already from a young age, and nothing in the society made them want to change. They they talk about the, the pact already beginning in school, like in um, childhood, so... Yeah, yeah, they were, um, the, it's, yeah, it's an, another example of how kind of, um, I guess the kind adjective would be earthy, the humor in this movie is where they, they talk about taking a piss in the schoolmaster's inkwell. And, uh, and, and this, you know, sort of schoolboy prank, you know, somehow they, they graduate from that to serial killing. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that is kind of a, a, a dark idea, you know, that like the, uh, the mis- 
mischievous <clears throat> today's mischievous schoolboy is is tomorrow's psychopath and the the humor in the film it's it's very sexualized and there's a lot of innuendos and jokes uh, regarding sex and the body and um do you, uh, is it something that hits home with you or uh do you feel that um but it's 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 one of the pleasures of watching a a, a French movie of uh, of the nineteen thirties or or even this occupation eras that they they're um they're allowed to get away with uh, more than mm. uh, than American movies were. Um, I mean, certainly the best American directors like Lubitsch or whatever could. Uh, could definitely get in some pretty strong illusions, but uh, but the the Breen office would not have permitted um, the heroine to be squeezing her boyfriend's blackheads in the in the <laughs> last scene. Um, there's a, there's also a very sort of frank acceptance of uh, of of you know, adulterous relationships in this movie that you wouldn't see. It, it's, um, it's plainer that, uh, that, um, Frenet and Delay are, are sleeping together. Um, it's also made very plain with a few cocked eyebrows that, uh, that the blind boxer is sleeping with his nurse. Hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it, there, there's, a, a an honesty about, uh, people's, couplings that is refreshing and uh and it, it makes you wonder if the, if the censorship regime had been somewhat less stringent in hollywood at the time what sort of things they might have been able to do i mm. mean you you wouldn't have wound up with animal house in that era but you might have <laughs> had you might have had something you know that, that could take things a little bit further like this did mm. and uh, susie delaire um i feel like she she's my favorite character in the film she's so like delightful and she comes off as this sort of innocent but she's still kind of devious in her character and she does it with such a uh, zest for life and she, she she's a really smart and independent woman in the film yeah i think i think that um i think that people who watch this May, as I was, be a bit uh, a, a bit reminded of uh, Lucy Ricardo, <laughs> like a, a decade later, um, try, mm. trying to become a, a, a star as as well, um, in sort of a, a different way. It's it's that kind of a, a madcap sort of performance. She is she is endearing though. I mean, it's and it's it's an accomplishment because the the character could in theory really get on your nerves <laughs> so uh, because uh, she's um she keeps messing things up for <laughs> Pierre Frenet <laughs> um she uh she she's it's it's a very broad performance there's a, mm. a lot of um so, sort of almost slapstick moments but uh but her uh there, there's almost a kind of innocence to how you know deeply she's convinced that she's just one captured murderer away from being um you know like maria Dritza. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so um, it's 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 sweet it really is she's the character i feel like we get to know the most uh the other characters are kind of we get some background information, but uh, that's one of the things I kind of uh, that I hold against the film is that none of the other characters we get to really know and we get to care about. 
I, I mean, I think, I guess I'm, I'm used to movies that are sort of constructed like this, um, mm. you know, where, where it's like, it's 90 minutes and the exposition is dealt with very quickly and summarily. And, uh, I, I feel like, um, I feel like I, I'm often kind of drowning in exposition in certain modern movies. So the, the swiftness of some of these old ones is something I actually kind of appreciate. Um, mm. But uh, it, it is it is true. Um, like you don't find out really, for example, why the boxer is blind. Um, you don't uh, you don't really find out uh, like w- how he wound up um, screwing his nurse. You uh, you you don't you don't even find out that that much about it. In, Inspector Vens with a name mm. like that, uh, you know what what is he doing in Paris? You know, mm. um, are his parents emigres? Is he an emigre? I mean, evidently not. He doesn't have an accent. Um, but uh, how on earth did he hook up with an aspiring opera singer? There was there is a um, a previous movie that was also scripted by Clouseau. Forgotten the the name that introduced these two characters, and that may all be in there. Uh, it would have been nice if this had been a, an if that had been an extra in this package. But I'm just I'm just grateful to be seeing this in good shape. <laughs> so. mm. And uh, you mentioned that the earlier movie, uh, and I kind of like that this movie doesn't. If it's supposed to be like a serialized. Um, couples movie or uh like uh another entry into the uh Mila Vens murder mystery adventure I kind of like that they they don't uh, give too much exposition but uh I still there's something that keeps me from like engaging and feeling the uh, like any like any real tension or finding that uh, I fear for anyone li- anyone's life Right. It's, um, it's, it's not, you, you don't get enough of an emotional involvement with the characters to really feel for, for their lives. Uh, Again, you know, it's, it's the, the first, the first murder victim is probably the most sympathetic. Uh, the, uh, the old lady writer is dispensed with in, in one rather brutal shot in a, a bathtub. And, you know, she, she's not exactly mourned, no, nor is she really introduced in a way um, that, that makes you really kind of feel for her death. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, as, as far as suspense goes, you know, of course, uh, Venz is in peril in the end, but he's been so clever throughout that, mm. you know, we, we really, I, you know, I, I was no more afraid for him in that final scene than I, I ever am for Nick Charles in any of the Thin Man movies. I mean, you, mm. you know, you know, he's going to outsmart these guys. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's just no question. Um, you, you, I, I wasn't even thinking you know they they were gonna muss his coat (laughs) (laughs) i feel like the the movie it kind of opens with uh, the tension as we said and it goes on uh, when especially when vance is um, has moved into the boarding house at 21 Uh, it kind of becomes more of a full-on comedy from there uh, before that, we can see more traces to Clouseau's love for film noir with his uh, very specific camera moves and kind of the play with light and shadows in the rainy streets. And after he goes into the boarding house, it's um, a bit more plain, perhaps. Right. I mean, I, I guess this would this would be you know like, like one of the kind of film noir I always think of as as largely being more of a, a post war thing, but certainly the the vocabulary is already showing up here. 
Um, it's, uh, it, 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 it does become more of a, a, a full-on comedy. Um, I mean, w- one of the things that I, I like about Clouseau is that um, as, as um, incredibly dark as he often is, there's, um, he's, he's got a sick sense of humor, and I really <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, uh, and it's, you can see it in nearly all of his movies, he, even even in, um, you know, like very brief flashes in Wages of Fear, um, but uh, which is probably the least funny movie he ever made. Uh, yeah. the, the, the movie that he made, uh, I don't know if it, I think it was directly after this one at Continental Le Corbeau, um, is, is actually even, it's um, much darker um, and uh, in some ways even funnier, but it's, uh, you, you, you kind of hate yourself for laughing at, at certain points in that movie. Uh, the, this movie is just very pleasurable, um, which, again, doesn't necessarily mean it was just tossed off. Um, apparently, this was, a, this was Clouseau's directing debut. He really wanted to make it good. And hmm. uh, from what I've read, he was putting a, a lot of pressure on everybody um, to the point of even slapping some of his actors, um, which is, you know, like you think think of you know somebody getting slapped you figure maybe they're making um i i don't know like some kind of you know epic or something um mm. not not this sort of lighthearted kind of uh boarding house comedy but i, I think it, it shows Clouseau's commitment to having everything be polished to a high sheen even at that point in his career um it just because the movie feels like you know it, it just goes by like a, a breeze and it's it's complete enjoyment from start to finish doesn't doesn't mean that you it doesn't take a high degree of professionalism and effort to mm. make it seem that way and it's definitely a, a testament to the filmmaking that it goes by so fast and we're kind of we're not made to think or there's no slow periods in the film it's very tightly constructed yeah, it, there's there's really no fat in this film. There's there's no, no <clears throat> there's no section where I you know I have my chin on my hand saying, um, did we really need this? You know, did the producer insist on this scene? No, there's there's nothing like that in in this film. Mm. And um, do you uh, the ending? We can start talking about that um, because the uh, it's to me it kind of. It's kind of this wrapped up in a bow ending where the police show up just in time and there's this postponing of the killing of Vance and the manipulation causing the bickering between the three killers and kind of feels a bit cheapened by that. Uh, you know, I, I, I suppose. I mean, I, I feel like it's very... Um, I feel like it's it's so kind of lightly and um, mm. and, and, you know charmingly handled that even though yes you know like you people who watch this will be very aware that this is the fallacy of the talking killer cubed right three ways (laughs) (laughs) so um uh, it, it, but it, the um, the the three killers have shown such self dramatizing streaks to that point that you know plausible is too big a word, but it's not completely out of the blue in terms mm. of their characters as they've been established so far. Um, mm. I mean, we, 
<clears throat> right, right before that uh, <clears throat> that scene, you have um, a, a sequence that you know it, it's not quite as bravura as the the first killing, but I really like it, where um, Mila is giving a, a concert in the boarding house, and you see the wheels turning in that brain as um, she's figuring out the same thing that Vens had figured out a little bit earlier. So you know she turns to the the music on the stand that says Trio by Beethoven. You know <laughs> she looks out into the audience and there's three little girls licking their lollipops and uh, um, the the sort of succession of of threes that she's looking at until finally you know like uh, I wouldn't even say the light bulb like you know for her it would be a spotlight it just (laughs) turns on and she's off to rescue her boyfriend um it's uh, it's 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 very it's very humorous. Um, it's uh, it's not the least bit subtle, but all the same, I, I find it quite delightful. Even though this is a murder mystery film, we the viewer we never have an opportunity to solve the mystery. Do you agree, or do you think that anyone watching this for the first time can say, "Ah, I know who's the killer." Uh, you know, it, the, watching the, I was watching this the the second time, and uh, the, the uh, you 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 do get like the um, the moment where Vens uh, is is looking at the program and he sees mm. the three killers' names um, mm. this, listed one after the other, and that's clearly when he finally figures it out. Up yeah. to up to that point. Um, I don't know. I, I've um, I've never really cultivated my ability to sort of solve mysteries. Um, I, I enjoy it too much with a, a movie sitting there not knowing who did mm. it. Um, <clears throat> but I think um, I don't know. I, I, I suppose if, if you're really familiar with mysteries of this period, you may um, figure out because you know they keep getting arrested one after another, and then another killing happens. So you that way you might you might say, oh well, you know, it's somebody who we haven't seen up to that point, or at that point you might figure out, well, you know, they're they're working in in tandem, giving each other's alibis. Um, it, it's it's true that it's not well constructed in that sense. I, I guess with a classic murder mystery plot, you are supposed to give the reader or the audience everything they need in order to solve the mystery and you just have to be as smart as Poirot or whoever is on screen <laughs> and uh, in, in putting it together and it's considered a cheat to bring a rabbit out of the hat at, at the end. Um, I if I saw this a third time, I could see how closely Clouseau is adhering to that. I think not very. Mm. Um, and you're, you're not wrong. It's, uh... <laughs> but I feel like it's uh, the murder mystery kind of second to the comedy in the film. So I, I, I can forgive it for what it is. <laughs> yeah. One thing I noticed uh, the last time I saw it now uh, was that in the final few seconds of the film... Vance, he kind of lights a match behind uh, one of the murderer's ears. Right. And then he lowers the murderer's one, uh, his right arm, I think. So uh, the murderer is left standing with his left arm up, kind of doing a Sieg Heil. Yeah, yeah. With his, you, with his, with his before, hand, or? like, just out of the frame. No, I had I had not noticed it. And um, I, I kind of had to have somebody uh, somebody pointed out to me in one of the... I don't know if it was the Masters of Cinema essay or if it was um, my friend David Cairns writing about it. Um, 
or uh, Fiona Watson also has a really good piece on Clouseau at Senses of Cinema, which I, I recommend to anybody mm. who really digs him as a filmmaker. Um, anyway, um, yes, I, I, I did notice it this time. Um, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, Continental, of course, being a, a German controlled company, um, it, it must have flown right over their heads too. Um, I, it's very subtle. It's very subtle. It is. It is very subtle. It's. It's not. Um, as I said, I, I had to have it pointed out to me. Um, however, <laughs> once you're primed to see it, it's. You know, it's. It is subtle, and yet it is obvious. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's exactly what it looks like once you're once you're looking for it. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't think that um, that anybody ever accused Clouseau of, of having Nazi sympathies. He uh, he was just you know trying to to work under extremely bad circumstances and mm. uh i think um it, they they of course were forbidden to have any overt war references in this movie or if, if not forbidden it was something they just kind of naturally avoided um it uh <clears throat> i don't i don't know like if it's um if it's an in joke or um, mm. or how to to take it i mean but it it, it it's clearly must mean something that it's the most uh, deceitful and kind of slimy murderer of the bunch who's mm. making that gesture. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I've caught on to any other references. So it's, it kind of stands alone and it's not like the whole film is a comment on occupation or anything. No, no, uh, Le, Le, Le Corbeau most certainly is, but uh, this okay. this movie is not. No. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to discuss? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think I'm, I think that this movie has a, a great deal of appeal. Um, mm. I, I, I think that uh, I think that you know you you can look at it as a trifle, or you can look at it and admire just how skillfully it's done, just how much Clouseau was putting into it at this point in his career, um, and uh, for some of the the way it foreshadows the the masterpieces that were going to come just a few years later. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely what I take away from it. Is just the the signs of greatness from Clouseau and the director he will become that you can see uh, that uh, even though there's not much terror and jealousy in this film, as is in later works, you can definitely see the, the smaller seeds growing here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a hugely enjoyable film. Mm, um, yeah. and, uh, with, with, with a, a great deal of, uh, artistic interest as well. Mm. Um, do you own this release or have you seen it in, in another format? I do actually. The first time I saw it was, uh, when they were uh, doing, a, a <clears throat> like a, a long streak of free Hulu <laughs> and, uh, and I saw it with the, uh, commercials kind of annoyingly stitched <laughs> in. And, uh, now, now I have, um, the masters of cinema Blu-ray, which is what I watched last night. Um, hmm. it, it doesn't look perfect. I would imagine the, the print is not, you know, like completely ideal, but it, lo it looks very good. <laughs> yeah. I've read some reviewers commenting on some denoising corrections, uh, but I can't say that I noticed anything in particular myself. No, I, I'm not, um, I'm not sort of, um, I, 
let me put it this way, things have to be pretty bad, you know, to, uh, <laughs> to, to get me to, to, to notice um, something like that. You know, I mean, certainly I'll notice, you know, the sharpness or softness of, of a print, you know, dirt, artifacts, things like that. But in, in terms of some of the more technical aspects, uh, you know, it, it, it has to be right up there in my face for me to get worked yeah. up over it. Uh, the sound as well is uh, it sounds really good with no there's no like hissing going on or any pops or crackles or distortions of any kind right right i'm i'm i i actually kind of dig a certain amount of of hiss and 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 crackle but it it, do, it does sound quite good their their voices are not um i think uh i think Delaire in in particular could sound really screechy if <laughs> if, the, uh, if the, the the sound wasn't just so and it it, it was fine hmm. And the introduction by Jeanette Vincent, uh, um, it was, uh, I think it, it was like 13 minutes, but uh, she covers a lot of material and kind of introduces us to where Clouseau is coming from and contextualizes the film in a nice way. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very, very good for, um, for putting it in the context of his uh, overall work, definitely. <laughs> Um, this is a region B locked film, so if you don't have a uh, multi-region Blu-ray player, you need to pick that up to watch this film. I think that was it. Um, I don't have anything else to discuss. If you, no, I think it's 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 been delightful. I hope we did this movie justice. <laughs> I hope so too. Thank you, Ferran, for joining me. It's uh, been great. Okay, <laughs> right. It's okay. I've, I've enjoyed it too. Thank you. Um, so, uh, listeners, you can probably expect this on the feed soon, and I will be back with another episode uh, soon. Listeners, you can find uh, Ferran Nemi's uh, blog at selfstyledsiren.blogspot.com. And you can find me at uh, moccast.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at moc underscore cast, or you can search for us on Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, yeah. So until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.